a Pulp MX Network production. With your support of our sponsors, we have reached over 800 podcasts and counting. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, support your moto addiction by buying from our sponsors. It's the Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. Presented by Fox Racing. The original moto podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the MotorcycleSuperstore.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Motorcycle Superstore, those guys down there, they're a passionate team who speak moto from talking about going riding, bench racing, to the last company ride. they got the latest parts and gear, and uh, they check out all things motorcycles with the top brands and gear, accessories, tires, parts, and apparel. MotorcycleSuperstore.com is everything you need to go out there and get motoing. PB-Pulp16 saves you 10% off participating brands. PB Paul Bunyan-Pulp16 uh, saves you money. And Fox Racing, Foxhead.com, your global innovation leader in motocross racewear. Ryan Dungey, Kenny Roxon, Jesse Wentland, just some of the guys that wear Fox. Fox Racing LE gear out now. You saw it uh, a couple weeks ago with the, uh, the the blue, the electric blue. Uh, Kenny Roxon's running that. And uh, we thank Fox and we thank MotorcycleSuperstore.com for coming on. The Racer X Podcast. As usual, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line, a guy I've been wanting to do one of these with for a long time now. He's a fellow Canadian. He wrenched the same time that I did. Now he's got a successful aftermarket suspension part company, uh, suspensiondirect.com, SDI. You've probably seen the logo on KTMs or JGR, SDI logo. Uh, he is former factory uh, Kawasaki mechanic, Yamaha Troy mechanic, Dan Worley. What's up, Dan? How are you? Good, good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for doing this. It's been a while. We've been trying to do it, right? We connected once or twice, and one of us dropped the ball. Well, it's probably been talked about for a few years now. But, yeah, no, I'm finally <laughs> glad we sat down and did this. Uh, it, uh, as a fellow uh, Canadian, you are from Saskatchewan, like the Sorensen brothers, and, uh, and I'm from Winnipeg, the next province over, so we have a big rivalry, of course. How often do you get home? I, I don't get enough. I don't get home enough. My mom's pissed. <laughs> You know, my brother, I went back, I took my boys, we did a Canada trip, we went, drove up, did a works race in Washington, mm-hmm. my mom actually lives now in British Columbia, went and spent a few days in Kelowna, and then we drove across Trans-Canada through the Rockies, and um, I picked up an old truck up there, and they got to meet their cousins and everything, so I did go up last year, but before then, man, it was a long time. I know. My mom, my dad lives in Kelowna, too, actually, that's funny, my, and my mom lives in I Winnipeg, know. so... I think it's like the hot spot for retirees. <laughs> I know, right? It's not a bad spot either. It's not a bad spot. Um, no, it's not. SDI, suspensiondirect.com, uh, UTV parts, motocross parts, uh, shim stacks, tools and chemicals. Uh, how's biz? What do you do? What, what, what do you do? You make some linkage pull rods too? What's, what, what is SDI? Well, you know, we started off just selling, actually, KYB parts. Um, when I worked for KYB as a research development engineer, they were trying to expand and get things out so people could get the parts easier. Um, as most people know, if you go and need a Yamaha shock seal, you go look on their microfish, you're buying a whole shock. Mm-hmm. So we finally, we found our niche. by You can just buy a seal. It's like 7 10 bucks instead of, you know, you can get the parts that you need. So it started that way. And then over the years, we, you know, kept expanding and created our own product line. With that, I just got tired of dealing with machine shops, so we slowly started buying <laughs> CNC machines. Yeah. And the next thing you know, we're up to twelve right now. Jeez, wow, yeah, quite a quite an expansion. Um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, so you're almost like, like in Europe, there's technical touch, right? Um, and that's yeah. kind of what you are, but in America, exactly what you started off as, thing, anyways. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the one way that we did it, you know, Technical Touch is um, Soul KYB, and they're actually worldwide. They have an office here in the U.S. too. Okay. But we actually expanded out. Um, like one of the big things we've done in the last couple of years is we've got a great relationship with WP. Um, we're one of the three main distributors for WP, mm-hmm. or authorized centers is the proper term terminology. Kyle, get on me. 
Um, so yeah, the WP KTM relationship, that's been great. Um, you know, there's so many more KTMs out there. So like that was a great void. And, um, we just specialize in getting all the parts that people need, you know, also show we've expanded our show alignment. Mm-hmm. So we've really tried to be a one-stop shop that for any suspension shop, it's very easy to get exactly what you need. And you can get it all in one place. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, you know I'm in tight with the Race Tech guys, and uh, they're on board as as a co-sponsor of this podcast. And sure, they revalve suspension, but a huge part of their business is parts to suspension shops. Yeah. Like you said, it's and I mean I guess you're you're a competitor to Race Tech, but it's uh, there's a need for that for sure. You're right. So it, it's funny because we actually distribute Race Tech parts, and they actually sell some of our parts. Oh, yeah, um, there we go. Right. They what we don't do is. We won't compete against any of the suspension shops. We just sell parts. Where Race Tech, they sell settings, gold valves. And, like, for some of our customers, we'll go and um, we'll order them gold valves and sell it. You know, Race Tech tools, we sell tons of Race Tech tools. Mm -hmm. But we don't really provide a service. We'll sell you any shim you want. It's on you how you stack it. We're just not in that end of the business. When's the last time you had a fork or shock apart, Worley? Um, actually, it hasn't been that long. Oh, okay. Like <laughs> I had a customer bring in, and we were looking at stuff, and I wasn't very good at it, but um, I had one part a couple days ago. Oh, okay. And yeah. we are doing some um, – we work a bit with Walker Evans on the UTV thing, yeah. and so I'm consistently, you know, testing and doing things like that. Um, I did build my kids a set of uh, Works KTM 50 forks nice. like, a little while ago. <laughs> nice. Had them on the – came up with a new cartridge system and we we're dynoing it. We have an in-house dyno, so I had to make sure it was dialed for them. <laughs> yeah, UTVs and mountain bike is another world of suspension that people are getting into and some obviously like a lot of the mountain bike stuff crossed over to moto, but now the I noticed the mo- mountain bike guys are taking things from moto uh, a little bit and scaling them down. That's two areas that are that are growing uh, as far as suspension stuff. Yeah. What's finally happened too is um the mountain bike guys, they're actually tuning stock suspension um, where it just never seemed like that happened before. Mm -hmm. If you didn't like your forks, you'd go and buy a brand new set. Right. And as far as like for OEMs, if you sell mountain bike suspension, it is so much easier than selling UTV or motorcycle suspension. The bicycle manufacturers, they get three choices, hard, soft, or medium. (laughs) What one do you want? (laughs) We're like, with the OEMs when you're out testing suspension, like with Honda, we would spend seven days in a row, like from eight in the morning until you can't see at night, setting after setting, trying to get things dialed. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the motorcycle guys definitely work the hardest and do the most fine tuning and tailoring for each chassis. I don't see you a whole lot at the races, Worley. How much do you go? How many do you go to a year? You know, this year has been bad. Uh, I usually go to all the local stuff, and we would go up to Vegas. But um, this year, Glenn Helen, I was actually at a works race. I'm getting old. I have to be in a uh, cage, so I'm in the razor more lately. <laughs> but there was a uh, there was a um, works race the same weekend as Glenn Helen, so I missed that. Um, and you know, I went to a couple of supercrosses, but. I've been a little bit more low key at the races. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm at all of them, man. So um, you're listening. <laughs> I started in '96, and I'm still going, Worley. <laughs> I don't miss the airplane. I think if you could get there without an airplane, I'd be like so into it. Right. <laughs> when we first started, flying was like great. I could count on my fingers how many times we didn't get upgraded. Like it was great. Now, it, flying is just horrible. I'm so over it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. And and they're out, the airlines are getting worse and worse, man. They are just out to screw their loyal customers. They're all sort of switching to a, a format, a frequent flyer format, that rewards the guys who spend big-dollar first-class tickets over the loyal guys that fly all the time. And it's a little disgusting. That's another topic for another podcast, but... Yeah, it's uh, it's brutal. You spend, you know, you fly with them thirty times a year, and some dude that flies five times but spends all the money gets most of the perks. Yeah. Um. No, the good old days are over. And yeah, no, exactly. Do you do you miss being a mechanic at all? Because I don't. I'll tell you what, I do not. I quit in 05. 
I went 96 to 05 at the end of 05. I quit and I do not miss it, man. Not one second. I mean, I guess I would do it if I had to feed my family, but I don't want to go. I don't want to be a mechanic. Yeah, I, I agree. I like racing and like that part of it is a lot of fun, but like two things the work back in the day, I think it was more fun too. Like, when I was at Kawasaki, we didn't have a budget. I hate to say it, we're like spoiled brats. Mm-hmm. And like, it was like, there was a lot of things good, but then I also started putting lots of pressure and stress on myself about always making sure the bike is perfect. You're like, mm-hmm. I was always stressed out about things. And then when the four strokes came around, the mechanics became more and more parts changers. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just bolt part, and that got boring to me, and it just wasn't exciting. And that's how I ended up at KYB doing what I did and doing development work. Right. Um, just doing the monotonous, you know, the racing part, you know, it's always yeah. there. It's always fun. But the three days before the race of getting on a plane and being a parts changer, that part just got boring. To me. Well, and then the, the, the pressure and stress, too, where I wasn't making a ton of money at Yamaha. I was not happy with that. And then the pressure and stress, I'm like, I don't need this, man. This is this is not like this is I'm not getting paid enough to be stressed about and work work eighty hours a week and then be stressed. You know what I mean? I totally agree. And it's almost like the longer you do it, the more you know, and then the more stress you have. When I first started, I didn't you know, I guess I was okay. My bike lasted, but mm-hmm. um there were so many things that I'm like, oh, man, I did not do a good enough job on that, where you know, I know that now, and then the stress just keeps building, and there's more and more things to worry about. I know, right? Uh, growing up in Saskatchewan, I don't know if our paths ever crossed. I did with Derek Sorensen and Darren. Okay, I raced there yeah. a lot growing up. Um, did you race, race in Saskatchewan and around that time? Yeah, but you know what? You guys were already starting to come down to the U.S. I started so late. I didn't start. I think my first race was until 94. I had bikes, but my parents would not let me race. <laughs> okay. So finally, when I was 15, I'm like, I'm I'm doing this. Like, yeah. it's, you don't get a choice. And so then I started racing. I just kind of did the normal thing, you know, one year in novice, next year intermediate. And mm-hmm. then I did race. Uh, I did get to, like, the local Canadian uh, expert pro whatever level. But... At that time, I was raped when I was going to move to the U.S., and then I got the job opportunity for Ron Ron. So I knew I didn't have the money to do it right, right. and just kind of gave up on it. Yeah. It was fun, though. Yeah, I was, I, out of, I was out of there by then. By 94, I was not going to Saskatchewan much anymore, but the, the Sorensen brothers were there, and they were down here. Rookie, of course, got a job, I think, at welding pipes or something, right, early on, and I don't know how Derek did, but were those guys, like, sort of inspiration to come down? Is that why you wanted to you know i actually came down before derek um rookie was already down here okay and i decided like i'm gonna go and i think it was my intermediate year i say i worked at an oil refinery on a shutdown so of course back there you make all that money and you're yeah. kid. I'm like oh i'm coming down for a month mm-hmm. and i did a train and i'm gonna go smoke everybody after <laughs> well a year and a half later i still lived here and the only person i knew in california was rookie okay and he was working at pro circuit and i'm like hey can i come stay with you for a while I'm like, yeah yeah come down and so um i was there for like five minutes and bones and ronnie came up to me and they're like hey do you want a job and i was like <laughs> well if i work then uh, so wait wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute wait you left the oil thing because you, you got laid off you had all this money you went to go to california and then like you literally just didn't go back home you were, were did you did you still have money or did you need a job no, I needed the job. I, I had enough money saved up to stay down. Oh, okay. No yeah, yeah. Yeah, just a month. And then, uh, and then, you then know, Ronnie. Be a great yeah. And then, yeah, they asked, I was here for five minutes, like, do you want a job? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I might as well. Then I can stay for three months. Sure. Well, I didn't go home again for a year and a half. Just, <laughs> it was awesome down here. And then, you know, it was that pro circuit. So um, that was just in their heyday, in my opinion. Like, they were the first satellite team that really was blowing up and being big it was you know they had carmichael was there it was like all the main guys so uh it was a great place to start learning so this was the late what years was this like 98 97 97 98 okay and then and then i went go ahead i went home and raced all 99 i worked part-time at a bike shop and just raced in canada and then i came back down for end of 99 to work for roncada Okay. Yeah, so that's where I. F- okay, so I'm from Manitoba, and I thought I had a good handle on 
Canadians, and you know Shane Drew was down here, Paul Delorey was down here, the Sorensen brothers were down here. Uh, I'm probably missing somebody, but we were all down here working. And um, literally, when you got the job at Troy, I was working for Ferry, and they're yeah. like, "That guy's from Saskatchewan," and I'm like, "What?" Like I had no idea you had been at PC. It seemed to me like they called somebody in Saskatchewan and got him down. But really, I guess what, did Kehoe talk to Bones or Mitch, and they said, "Hey, there's this Whirly guy." Yeah. Like how did it work? What, I, what actually happened was uh, Bones called me back to manage the suspension department, and I was driving down. And I got to Vegas and I got a call, and they're like, "Hey, by the way, you're not going to get your job." the old manager is going to stay now. And so I said, I'm like, look, you guys, I'll, I worked there for like two weeks, but I'm like, this isn't what I want to do. I don't want to be just stuck doing suspension. I want to be out in the field testing and all of those things. And I said, so I might look for another job being a mechanic. I want to be involved with racing. Uh-huh. Um, and then Dave Feeney and Kenny G, right. they told Keo, hire Dan, hire Dan. And Keo um, knew of me because when Honda Troy was using pro circuit suspension, uh, he knew who I was. Okay. And, you know, he had to deal with us picking up suspension. So it ended up working out good. And it was funny because nobody wanted to work for Roncada. There's a bunch of guys that got offered the job and said, no, I don't want to work for him. Oh, really? And when I was oh. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. And, yeah. uh, no, well, that was like, remember his last season, um, they kind of put him on probation and, he was kind of messing around a little bit too much, so Keo was trying to straighten him out. And I think a bunch of guys uh, were a little bit scared of him at that point. But I jumped on it, and we got along great. He was awesome. To work and and uh, Feeney worked for Casey Johnson, and, and uh, Kenny G worked for Ernie at Troy, Yamaha Troy. Yeah, exactly. And this would have been the year they switched right to Yamaha, I think, the first year, right? Um, They... Actually, they went to Yamaha. They all left Pro Circuit '98. Well, Kenny G and Dave, they went to Pro Circuit. Sorry, my phone's beeping. Yeah, um, went went to uh, left Pro Circuit '98. '99 was the first year of Troy, and that's when Casey um, went to Troy. Also, right from from uh, from PC. Yeah, um, exactly. So that okay, so that's how it all worked out. See, I never really knew. I just all of a sudden I knew this guy showed up with a really good job, quote unquote. You know, it was a good job, and. and uh, and uh, and working for you know a pretty good rider. Now, when you when you started working with Roncada before the 2000 season, like he was cool. He was like you'd said he was on probation or whatever. I don't remember that, but um, he was a good guy right away. Yeah, you know he was right when I first met him. I think he was like a little like who's this guy and uh, um, you know like yeah, any relationship. Sure, yeah, it's yeah. like it's it's a little bit of a forced marriage because a lot of riders like to pick their mechanic and. He was like, here you go, this is your guy. And he didn't know who I was, so um, we started playing video games, and then we got along fine. <laughs> everything, was, everything was good after that, right? <laughs> yeah, we're good. Yeah. No, but really, he was. It, it actually, it was pretty, it was easy to get along with him. I think once we gained the trust a little bit, which, mm-hmm. of course, just takes time, then it was easy. We got along fine. And uh, and that year, man, he put his head down. And, Did he ever? Uh, yeah. Him. Yeah, he Man, he trained. He did everything right. Um, he was. Uh, it, it was a good. That was a fun year. Yeah, I remember he he won the Supercross title. Um, Sellers got second because I was two thousand. I was on KTM then, so Sellers was yeah. on FMF Honda. He wasn't at KTM then yet. Um, yeah. And then somehow Pastrana did Pastrana crash out of a race. How did Pastrana lose that title? Did he just get you beat? Know, it, yeah, he just. But he just kind of had a bad luck a few times, yeah. and then. I think he might have had one bike issue at one race is what may have okay. happened. I don't um, remember. But do, he kind of – that was his first real year Supercross, and I know he – there was a few rookie mistakes in there, but yeah. once he got up to speed, he was doing fine. Um, and right away, Roncada, like you said, this was one year where he was – you know, everything clicked, and he was like, okay, I'm going to work at it, I'm going to train, and obviously the guy was pretty naturally talented. Yeah, no, well, he's so naturally talented. Um, and, yeah, no, everything clicked well. And then even outdoors, we were killing it until he got hurt. And then it was like survival mode the last three races. And yeah. Pastrana just kept, you know, nailing them. And at Troy, he had one bad moto. I think it was like 14. And mm-hmm. that really, like, offset the points bad. 
because that that was we ended up losing by two points. That was a hard one. Yeah. Well, getting back to Supercross, though, you must have been pumped. Uh, you won the Supercross title, and you know, six months earlier, you weren't even a mechanic. I know. No, yeah. I was. I was. It was like the fairy tale thing. I was super bitter. Was, I was super bitter at Worley. Probably. I think I, think I was I like, "Who's this kid from Saskatchewan? He's got a Supercross title." Uh, that was. Yeah. It's like, who does that happen to? And uh, it was funny. Our. I know Stefan and I's combined salary. It wasn't when I went to Cowley. It, it didn't even make that. I think it was probably the cheapest Supercross title <laughs> ever won. Um, it was pretty fun. Uh, but, um, it it was uh, yeah, and and when Ernie was on the on the e, on the West, right, winning. Yep. Yeah. Good year for the team. No, no, actually, oh. no. Ernie was East that year. So. Oh, okay. Then, and you know he rode well. Kenny G, Dave Feeney actually worked for him because Kenny G got hurt. And I don't think it – like, there was a lot of pressure on him to win it again because he went on mm-hmm. the rookie year, basically. And I think a lot of pressure, all the focus was on him. And, like, Stefan and I were the redheaded stepkids in the corner. Right. And we're just – you know, just show up to the race and do your best. And I think that's what made it, like, a lot of fun. And we just got to do our own thing. Mm-hmm. We were left alone. Yamaha Choi was, like, the best team to work for. Like, the way Keo Dean, Dean, I won't say too good of things about Dean Baker. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> the, yeah. um, like, it was just like a tight-knit group. All the mechanics got along great. Like, we're all friends. We did stuff together. Like, that was such a fun team. And it wasn't corporate. You know, we weren't working for the factory. Yeah. There was some stuff that had to be done right. And, yeah. You know, Yamaha really did lay out a good program. Like, you guys need to follow this. But we didn't really have anybody looking over our shoulder, and mm-hmm. it was, man, that was such a fun team. How was uh, how was Flipper? Was he okay then, or was he struggling with stuff? He was struggling with stuff, but he wasn't hardly involved. He was back in Ohio, yep. and you know we've seen him, you know, at the local Supercrosses, and then Troy, of course, and uh, didn't see him that much, and he wasn't involved with the uh, team hardly at all. Kind of. Kind of kept <laughs> shielded, him in Ohio yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, him out a little bit. Then. Well, I don't really yeah. know Flipper, but everybody, you know, I've obviously hung out with him um, a little bit here and there, and he. Everyone says, I mean, obviously it's too bad he lost his battle uh, years ago, but when he was okay, when he was sober, he was a great guy, and uh, and I never really got that side of him, but uh, everybody I talked to that worked there, including Dean and and Eric and everybody else, said that. Oh, absolutely, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, he was, like, really into it. It was his passion, and uh, it was cool, you know, but it was the fifth dragon. Like, he yeah. wanted to be the, the next one to have a semi, and, you know, like, he really pushed the it, – it was kind of cool that, you know, he was kind of one of the – you know, getting outside money, outside sponsors, yeah. different things. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was his shop funding it, a lot of it, but, you know, they ended up bringing in um, other things and kind of started a new way of – the racing outside of the factory realm, so um, it was um, it was it was good. And Kehoe, there's he's a cool guy, man. Doesn't come any much cooler than than Eric. Yeah, no, he was uh, he was a great team manager. Yeah. Um, I said I've laughed about this. He made me mad twice in the whole year. <laughs> I go, if you get mad at your boss twice in the year, yeah. he's doing a pretty good job. I got mad twice at Jimmy Perry every day. Yeah, <laughs> I actually just talk, I talked to Jimmy this week already. Oh, okay. Yeah, tell him I said hi. But, what? The, but yeah, what? How? Why'd you get mad? Um, man, he made the Stefan wanted me to go back, and uh, I had to stay on the road for like two weeks straight. And uh, Stefan, I can't remember. We needed something, and he was mad. I was mad because we needed to get back to do something. Uh-huh. I was stuck on the road, and then. Oh, and then Stefan didn't get his championship bike. Oh, okay. And I know that was that was beyond Kehoe. It wasn't just him. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I, re- I wish Stefan would have gotten that championship bike. Yeah, really, right? I know. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, that outdoor season, if memory serves me again, I was working for Kelly Smith. By the way, we won High Point that year, Worley. So suck it. Yeah, you did. Um, but uh, we got one win to your uh, 10 or whatever. But uh, if I remember right, Stefan had a big lead. Like, he was really good pretty much until, like you said, he got hurt. Did did you guys lead the whole thing or, or, or pretty much close to it, right? Pretty much because he won Glen Helen. Right. And then 
it, it kind of, I think he led it until, well, we led it, I think, until the last, I, I think we did lead there it. There was three in a row. You, been, you guys won Bud's Creek, Red Bud, and Unadilla three weeks in a row. Yeah. You know, we might have dipped in, I can't remember who, but I think at Sacramento, we maybe had one bad moto. Um, it, it, we might have yeah. been in second for a little bit, but then those three races just, gave him a really big lead. Yeah. And at that point he was kind of unstoppable. I remember Unadilla we won by like almost a minute. Um he was going so fast. That was like a crazy race. Were you ever like thinking to yourself, I cannot believe like I we were leading the nationals and and I'm from Saskatchewan and now we won a supercross title? Like do you ever remember thinking like holy oh, shit? Yeah. No, the whole and man, you don't talk about stress, right? It's like your first year, and I kind of had a thing with Mitch Payton at this time, and you know he wasn't ready. I was like, I am not going to let this bike break. I do not care what happens. <laughs> like I got to prove everybody wrong because everybody's like, oh, he doesn't have the experience. He can't do it. So I was so stressed. So it was like stressful, but then on the other hand, it was like so cool to be part of. Oh, yeah. I think it was cool yeah. to be part of because you know at the beginning, I, you know, Stefan was like the B rider, basically. Yep, yep. And, um, you know, we just kept going and uh, pushing. But it, we also, it was a lot of fun. It wasn't like a, uh, we were having fun smiling and laughing the whole time, well, too. And Pastrana, so it, it was, yeah, Pastrana's coming up. And they're, they're laughing and joke. They're, each guy's running their own other, each other's website sticker on their helmets and chest protectors. Like, yeah. it was kind of weird, right? Like, the, the, I mean, Pastrana, how could you not like that dude? It was, uh, it was a different title chase than I, maybe ever before. I, yeah, I know. It, it, it was different. And, like, um, they were always, like, really, they seemed always really good to each other. And, like, Flight, like all their battles on the track were they had a lot of, I will say on the track there was always a ton of respect it was mm-hmm. um, it was good racing when those guys would uh, be together um, yeah I don't know how to describe that but you're right like, they <laughs> uh, funny they got along and they talked and well, it was never there's a photo there. there's a photo of Steel City the final race and they're beside each other giving each other thumbs up yeah <laughs> Right? Like, it's just like, yeah, oh, my God, no. these guys. Um, I remember somebody at Steel City, they said, before the motor, you got to rip his sticker off. It's bad luck. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I just never thought of it. But now that you say that sticker thing. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that was funny. They both ran their website stickers because Stefan's mm. website was kind of up and coming then. Right. So he was always into video games, huh? Even back then? Like, always into yeah, yeah all that stuff? No, he well, and that company has changed so many times now. But in the development from, uh, oh, what was the very first one called? MX uh, ATV Fury was that the one? No, the very first. One. Oh, a, oh, Supercross Circuit or something? I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not that good with yeah, these. Yeah, the first one he was involved in it was PC only. MX, oh. So. Yeah, there's people probably screaming at their their phones right now. You know what? I have one of those boxes he signed, but it's actually at my house. Sim- on my shelf. MS Simulator, wasn't it? Was it just MX Simulator? I don't know. Anyways, so he was always yeah. into it. He was always Motocross Madness, wasn't it that? I don't know. It was Motocross. <laughs> so he was always into that, and then they kind of, he just started as a consultant. The next thing they know, they gave him like 3D Studio Max, and then he's building all the tracks for these games. There's been so <laughs> many games he's been involved in, and you know, I know a lot of team managers and people, trainers, and everybody would get mad at him. They sit in there spending time on the computer. And at times, I do think he spent a little bit too much on the computer and not enough on the bike. But, you know, he was making a good salary doing that. And, like, I give him credit now because he had such a you – know, a lot of guys, when they're done riding, what do they have? You know, yeah. kids are – not even going to school anymore, basically. And he fell back onto like a really good high paying job and it's something he loves. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, he goes yeah. to work and likes it. So I give him full credit for that. That was actually a really smart thing that he, you know, his name did help him get involved, but right. he's obviously good at what he does or he wouldn't be working there anymore. Um, the last round, did you have the points lead or did Travis have the points lead? Travis went 1-1. One, one. You guys went 3-2. I don't remember how it was. Did, I don't remember coming yeah. into it. Yeah, it was two points difference, and we had the lead. Oh, and, okay. Um, and then Travis won that first one. It sucked because Stefan on the start got 
caught up. He kind of got pushed wide, but held it on. Got um, the banners ended up getting in his brakes. Oh, okay. And he rode basically that whole moto, got third, and had no brakes. Uh, at the end, we're up on the podium, and I just grabbed his bike. I wanted to go get it back to the truck and, mm-hmm. um, you know, get working on it. And so at Steel City, the podium was up on the hill, and you kind of rode down right. the hill to the start yeah. line. I got to the bottom of the hill. I went to put on the brakes, and I almost crashed and hit people because <laughs> they did not work. It didn't work, and yeah. I just shook my head. I was like, how did he go so fast right. with a bike like this? So we put his spare brakes on, and the next moto, he didn't go as fast. And Travis said he, he got beat by Travis. And it basically came down to last moto. I think Travis was one point ahead then, one or two points ahead. Yeah. But if he won the last moto, whoever won the last moto won. Right. And I think if I remember right, they just kind of, Travis was out front, through two or three seconds ahead, they kind of followed each other the whole moto, if I remember right. The whole, it was actually really boring. Yeah. And both of them just rode like, pretty much a flawless race Mm -hmm. and they were going fast i think stefan though once he had breaks he started trying to take more inside lines and do other things yeah if he would have just tried keeping the flow up because you know steel city is it almost gets dry and yeah um you just have to keep your momentum up so was the mood afterwards pretty bombing or were you still pretty happy with everything even though you, you lost the title man yeah it it was pretty dismal Everybody was pretty disappointed. Yeah, right. I'm lucky a lot. It, yeah. it sucked. It was a, uh, especially to have that much of a lead mm-hmm. and then um, go and um, be that strong. And then, you know, one thing goes and one bad race and yeah. the knee was hurting and then just not being strong. And, you know, it, for, if you were Pastrana and chasing it down, then it's like you're moving forward. And when you're in just like I'm maintaining and just trying to get through this and hold points, it, it's just not like the mindset you want to be in. Yeah. But, but in the last few races, we're just, you know, we got to get through this. And uh, he was definitely feeling better for Steel City, but just couldn't do it. Right. It, it was disappointing. Um so he got a factory Cali ride the next year. Were you always going to go with him? Were you, were they thinking about not taking him, taking you or did you know he was going to Cali or when did that come about? Yeah, no, I knew, um, man, cause we talked about what bikes and where to go. Cause he had a few offers from different places mm-hmm. and, you know, including the, um, stay on, well, it was going to be the two fifty F the next year. Right. And he just really wanted to be on a two fifty right now. He just thought he was ready and he could do it. And so I don't, Cali didn't want to keep me at first because they already had the mechanics and they had things there, but he fought to keep me there. So, um, well, that would have been felt. We just they felt and J bone or. Yep. Yeah. And Paggio was just leaving. There. Right. I think he had just taken the uh, Oakley job. Right. So, and then Chad Watts was there too with Ricky, of course. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, Chad is there with Ricky and J Bones working for Larry Ward or Dowdy, one of those guys in 2000. Then 01 yeah. comes in and who so is then, it? Is a burner? Um, Feltz ended up going and working with Burner on the Emic team oh, okay. when he left Cali. Yeah. Well, Feltz was there. You know what? Feltz actually took over just the last six months because Paggio Paggio left. Left. Yeah. Right. Like in between the season before it was over. But who was the so, thir- who was yeah, the third he, guy there? Because if it's Chad Watson, J-Bone, who was the other guy? Uh, well, it's Paggio, and then it was Feltz. Yeah, I know. So Feltz, J-Bone, Chad. Or, I mean, J-Bone Not and Chad. Point. J-Bone and Chad, and then Feltz leaves. And then there's there, – but there would have been three guys, or was, was – um, Well, and then me. I ended up right. But was, was yeah. J-Bone working for a rider, or was he test guy then? They moved him to test guy. Ah, okay, that's it. Because I, I know yeah. Cal, we only had two guys. They only had oh, yeah, yeah. Ricky so and, and right. Mm-hmm. And um, then, uh, so he helped us out, and then he didn't start wrenching again until uh, Stewart came on. Ah, okay, that's it. Got it. So, uh, hey, Cowie's a good place to work, right? Sternstrom was your manager? Yep. No, Kawasaki was great. So, yeah, Bruce was the main manager, and then, you know, our shop manager was uh, Norm. And, uh, yeah, Cali, it was like, you know, the race team, your own, you're, it's its own little world anyway. Yeah, yeah. But um, Cali was like a great place for employees. Actually, normal employees that, you know, work there every day. And then for the race team, it was a really good place. And back then, I, 
a parts budget for bikes? I don't think we had one. But Javon and I, we laugh now because, you know, he sees the way budgets are and, you know, he's running that team. Yeah. And we were such spoiled brats. Like, those, our works bikes at Cowie, we were running a, basically a 2004 frame, or pardon me, 1994 frame mm-hmm. in 2001 because um, it just worked better for whoops and yeah. our, they both liked it better. So we had to make the bikes look like the new model. Right. And those things were so much work, like custom carbon air boxes, all that back then was so expensive. I think when we added it up, it was $70,000 to build a two-stroke bike. <laughs> and there was like, I don't ever remember hearing those budgets. It was just getting stuff on time and, we're like whiny little brats. Like I only got two air boxes, right? And I'm sure that was probably ten, fifteen thousand dollars <laughs> just for the air boxes. Or how about like when you're when you're a factory guy and you're building your bike, you're like throwing away brake pedal return springs, brake pedals, clutch levers, front brake levers. Like they're perfectly fine. You're like screw it. I want a shiny new one. Screw it. You just throw you them know, away. <laughs> uh, do you know what was great? I, that was actually a lot of fun to work for. It was more corporate because it was bigger. We had Chevy trucks as a sponsor, so you had to be a little more. It was definitely not as low-key and easygoing as, as uh, Troy, Troy yep. but um, it was still a lot of fun. And, like, Bruce, he didn't want to pay us to take graphics off and uh, clean our plastic. He's like, it's not worth my money. He goes, put new plastic on the bike every weekend. It was great. You couldn't have asked for anything better. So it was like new plastic every time. And then you were, I learned a lot from Chad Watts. So I'll give him credit on that. Um, Chad Watts was the king of throwing parts away and everything was new. Right. Think about Carmichael's bike every time it went on the track. Thing was just immaculate. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, I got good at throwing away parts after watching Chad and what he did. <laughs> uh, Dan Worley from Suspension Direct uh, on the uh, MotorcycleSuperstore.com podcast. Uh, use code PB-PULP16 to save yourself money at Motorcycle Superstore. they got everything you need to get out and ride. Check out the website and uh, use the code. Also, uh, Racetech Suspension, Pulpomex16 is the code. You can listen to this commercial from Racetech. And uh, Michelin Starcross 5, brand new tire for the folks at Michelin. Give it a shot and... Uh, Use MichelinMotorcycle.com. We'll be right back here with Suspension Direct, Dan Worley. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the MotorcycleSuperstore.com RacerX podcast. Thanks for listening, man. These things are going great, and I'm stoked with the responses from everybody, and uh, you guys have been doing a great job with the downloads. Don't forget the Fly Racing Moto 60 show on Thursdays, the Pulp MX show on Mondays, the NFAB RacerX fantasy show sometime in the middle of the week. And a Motorcycle Superstore, they're a passionate team who speak moto. If I'm talking about going riding, bench racing from the latest company ride to the latest parts and gear, this is what drives them to be a place for you to check out all things motorcycles with the top brands in gear, accessories, tires, parts, and apparel. If you want to save there, they got everything you need to get out and ride. Go to the website to check out their inventory of brands, uh, over 700 of them. Do you speak moto? If you do, go to MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Use the code PB-PULP16 to 10% off participating brands. PB-PULP16 saves you money. All right, let's get to these commercials from Racetech and Michelin and MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Thanks for listening. See you after the break. Racetech people, Racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Racetech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you... And probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Racetech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Racetech, Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to PulpMX2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right, back to the show. 
Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, on the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension and tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelins uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this... Um, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage. So uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses, Kiefer. Reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out at the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. And we're back. Racer X online podcast. Presented by Fox Racing, MotorcycleSuperstore.com on board as well. Uh, Dan Worley, former factory mechanic, championship winning mechanic. Dan Worley, and uh, and uh, we're getting into Dan's time with Roncada and over at um, uh, uh, Factory Kawasaki. So, Ron Ron comes in, he rides the big bike, he rides the 50 class, and it's a pretty good year. Seventh in the points in Supercross, eighth in Motocross. Like, it was again, this is his first year, I think that's fine, right? Yeah, I um, no, I think he he did all right. I think he could have done better. He had the speed to go better, mm-hmm. but his endurance wasn't there for the big bike. And I think that well, with guys like Carmichael and um, there's just a lot of guys that can push it a full twenty laps. Yeah, and he wasn't ready. I think with the one twenty five, he was fast enough where you could kind of McGrath it. I'll call it, get out in front, and then you could you know, just take it easy, you know, sprint three laps and then you could go. But um, I hate to say it, like, everybody started getting in better shape. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Well, like, even LaRocco was doing good then. Like, you know, our, um, Carmichael got, you know, he put his head down those years and um, he wasn't sprinting for three laps. He was pinning it for 20 laps. Um, yeah, and I remember that year, uh, that was 01, he, he was up front a lot, wasn't he? Yeah, you know, he, he would lead or at least be top three in a lot of races and then fade back to that seven. Like, <laughs> uh, was uh, was everything cool on the team? Like, was everybody happy? Carmichael, this was the year, this was the year he beat McGrath, right? Oh, one? Yeah. 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 So everything, uh, or, yeah, I think he did. You know, they, they, I guess it, it was, they knew he could be doing better mm-hmm. and it was, Sometimes some of his effort at the test track and things like that, um, he should have tried a little harder maybe. And so that kind of uh, a little bit of team morale went down on that. You know, it, you've been there. The whole team works really hard. And if you don't think your rider's trying as hard as the team, um, that can add up. So there was a little bit of that. But I think they were overall fairly happy with them. Everybody liked them. It was just when you see a guy that can go that fast and then, you know, he faded back quite a few races. Um, some of the guys that were responsible for paying the bills would get frustrated. Sure. I'd leave it at that. Yeah. How'd you get along with RC and, and Chad? Oh, good. Um, they're both were, uh, easy to get along with. Um, Chad helped like Chad was really good because, um, like Ben and J bone, we all had each other's back. Mm-hmm. Everybody helped each other. Um, you know, if Chad was going to be out, you know, we planes would get delayed and we'd be out there till four o'clock in the morning. And um, if 
nobody was leaving, you know, until everybody yeah, yeah. left. Like, everybody had each other's backs really good. And I know there was other teams out there that weren't that way. Right. So, yeah, that was – you always, like – I always knew that um, – Bone, like they would always be there to help and right. make sure everything was right. So that way, man, that's one thing with the Fetch team. There's a lot more people. You have way more support. You have way more parts, way more everything. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it, you definitely, it, it helps out. It makes things easier. Did you ever get to drag uh, stuff on out to RC's place in Florida? Yeah, yeah. We went out there yeah. a few times. We did uh, like pre-Daytona testing and uh, what got to go to Carmichael's a few times. Okay. That's, it's Cool well, I was going to say, because he would have had to follow Ricky's training. He probably was dying. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when we went out there, Stefan actually only tested one day, and it was more of uh, actually at the farm. Uh, he only actually rode one day. We just tested guys Daytona setting down, mm-hmm. and, you know, it was more just changing parts. It wasn't so much a training day. Right, right. Did you um... – you know, Stefan's admitted that he had a problem with painkillers. It happened later on more when he was with Mitch and stuff. But do you think that was going on a bit already when you were with him? No, I don't know. No. It wasn't until, yeah. You know, it's kind of funny because uh, once his back started hurting and it's like a lot of these guys, all these doctors have all these things and, you know, I, I swear they just want the to be able to say they work for a pro rider. Oh, I know. It's, for it's still the same I mean, way. It's still the same way, Dan. People. Yeah. I'm, yeah, it's kind of disturbing at times. Um, so, no, I, he was, you know, he didn't even touch a drop of alcohol. And then, you know, we separate our ways, but we still talk. But the next thing you know, he's going to parties and mm-hmm. um, a few things like that. And I'm like, what is going on? And um, I, I became friends with um, his new wife and, you know, slowly caught on to what the problem was going on and then finally yeah he had a couple bad episodes and the one time we just we just loaded him up and i found a carly and i we found a place in laguna beach we loaded him up drove him across their tag and said you're staying here for a month yeah <laughs> that's what it was was he this so, is the pro circuit days yeah pro yeah, circuit yeah. Days, right. yeah so at the end of 01 you got a job with kyb uh no i actually when stewart came on to uh I stayed with Ron Ron O2. Oh, you did? Okay, O2, you were still there? Yep. And then um, in O3, I stayed on as, then that's when um, Stuart came on board full mm-hmm. time. So uh, Jeremy Albrecht went to work for Stuart, and then um, Randy was working for Lusk. So I stayed on as a test mechanic. Yep. And then, I don't know what the deal was, but the last, like, six nationals, I ended up working for Lusk. Um and at that time, that was kind of a new reign because Mark Johnson was in there, Skip Norfolk. Norfolk, yeah. Um, yeah, like the management changed. And I, the racing, like I said, was fun, but I wanted to get more into, like, development and, you know, learning, kind of keep your mind more active. Mm-hmm. So there was a few jobs that popped up at different places. And, you know, one was to say at Cowie doing test stuff, but it was still limited, Um the whole four-stroke development, instead of doing it in-house, they actually were having Cosworth do it. Mm-hmm. And so KYB was, I'll say it, they were floundering. They weren't doing that great. Show has really perfected their twin chamber forks, and KYB was struggling. So I took a huge pay cut to go there, but I just thought that I'd probably learn the most and have the best opportunity. Yeah, And I just went there. I knew that it would be easier to be involved and do it they were trying to develop all the new forks and it was a mad rush they worked so much back then it was a crazy time at kyb then to catch up because they were on the verge of losing a lot of contracts Mm -hmm. but got to learn so much there were some really good engineers and um it it was a good experience so when ron ron left cowie at the end of 02 then and i didn't realize that you'd worked for him all the way through that year did he ask you to go to suzuki with him yeah, he he did, and that was I did consider it. That was one of the things, the jobs. But um, Suzuki Suzuki offered me a job. Mm-hmm. They um, they said that they didn't want me to work for Ron Ron. Uh, they just Roger wanted to mix it up and just kind of a fresh new start for him and kind of shake it up a bit and you know hopefully to get him out of his rut. And they offered me a job, but they wanted me to work with Sean Hamlin, which I really liked. Sean, I thought about it, mm-hmm. but. 
as far as like a company, um, you know, Cowie was just like a really good, solid place to work. Sure. Yeah. I didn't live too far. You know, it was a lot of things like that. And yeah. I was interested in the four strokes that were coming. And I just thought, you know what? I was getting a little bit sick of the airplane then. And, you know, flying, I was going to only go to one of every four races. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to give this a try. Yeah, if you look at the Ron Ron's result at the end of the Nationals or the Nationals of O two, they're terrible, Worley. You guys went yeah. fifth at Glen Helen, then forty eleven, forty twenty, thirty seven, seventeen, twelve, ten, and that's it. Like that that's a terrible national series. <laughs> no, it was just I don't know what went on with him in that time. there was some personal stuff going on, I think, that didn't help. Right. But um yeah, he just yeah, like, was completely threw in the towel. Because it was like Supercross went well. Yeah, Supercross went well. Yeah, and then that outdoors, it just all came apart. And, you know, there was like a few injuries in there and things of like course, that. Of course, yeah. But, yeah. Um, no, it, it, the effort definitely wasn't there. Um, so getting the job with KYB, like you said, it was just a chance to learn a little bit, right? Which I was in the same spot at the end of Yamaha. Like, I was able to take my four-stroke motor apart with my eyes closed and rebuild them. And, you know, I didn't have any problems and I was, you know, changing out things. I, I was even work. I learned how to work the, the lathe a little bit and the mill a little bit, like very, very little, but that was exciting. When I got to go on the mill and the lathe and even, you know, screw some things up and learn a little bit, that was so much more exciting to me than rebuilding another four-stroke motor, you know, so I can relate yeah. a little bit. Like it gets to be a point where it's rather monotonous. You know what I, and actually Ross, told me this too it's as a mechanic the, the responsibilities of mechanics kept getting pulled away from them mm-hmm. and then everything was becoming more specialized suspension was becoming harder to work on motor four-stroke motors were you know yamaha was one of the few that didn't have a motor builder mm-hmm. you know, makes you guys do everything yeah um but it it was like if you wanted to grow and especially if you wanted to make more money you weren't going to do it as a mechanic. You were better off being a specialist. Yeah. And I always wanted to be a motor guy, but I ended up always getting thrown back into suspension. <laughs> so uh, that's where I ended up. Um, unless you were J-Bone and you were making big bonuses from Stu and stuff like that. Yeah. Right? Um, exactly. Speaking of which, was Ron Ron good with bonuses? Was he good? Yeah, no, he was great. Cool. He, he really took care of me. Especially the first year, I think Keo paid. I think my salary was fifteen thousand dollars at Yamaha. Might have been eighteen. <laughs> what? Yeah, 18. what? Yeah. It's probably illegal, actually. And <laughs> Jesus. Um, and so, it, you know, between the two of us, if he didn't win, we probably wouldn't have had money. Yeah. We probably would have been starved. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the um, so no, Stefan always took care of me, and then like after that. My van, of course, I had the Canadian van with all my bikes and everything right, in it. Right. He, got, he got a new truck. He gave me his old truck. He's like, have it. And um, he he always took good care oh, that's of me. Cool. He was always super fair. Um, yeah. Is there a cooler dude in the industry than Ross Maeda? Like, seriously. There just, there isn't. No, it, there isn't. It, no, he, and then Ross has helped me out a lot also. He, he helped get me the job at... Uh, at KYB at the time, and uh, because he was leaving to go and work, you know, just full time Enzo. Right. Um, and you know, he would. It used to frustrate me. So I think I'm on Troy. I, I still had like a KX125. I'm like, hey, can you do the suspension? He's like, no. You can come down to my shop and do it yourself, and I'll help you. <laughs> but like, I won't. Yeah. And then when, then he tried when. Ronwan went to Cowie, they tried holding me back, and he's like, oh, just come do suspension for me, and I'll teach you how to do suspension. But Cowie just paid so much better, I had to take it. So it was always like a talk, and I was always interested in mm-hmm. suspension, just on the pro circuit days and all of that. Uh, and, you know, Ross was a wealth of information. So anytime I, uh, you know, when, when he talked, you listened, basically. Him, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite times ever testing was with, you know, Corey Hutter, but we're all yeah. at Yamaha. I had just started at KYB, and um, John was there, too. And, like, you know, those two have, I don't even know how many years' experience tied together. And, like, Corey is like a human dyno, right? He, yeah. You change a shim, and he'll draw what the curve is going to do, and it'll be 100% right. And, like, nobody had attitudes. There's no egos. and 
I don't even know who we're testing with that day, but everybody talks about the problem. All right, well, let's try A, B, and C and see if mm-hmm. we can solve it. And it was like, it was such a good atmosphere to work in and learn from and all those things. That's like one of those test days you never forget. Hutter's going to listen to this, and now he's going to think, you know, he's going to be all stoked. So we got to say some crappy things about Hutter. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he could only dine. Right, that's it. He's only good at dining. That's it. Nothing else. I talk to him every now and then. Uh, we're text buddies. So, um, and John and John R was great at Yamaha, man. He was another guy like Ross. The really smart guys don't act like it. The guys who do act like they know everything don't know everything. They put up an, an, a false sense of, of ego or a wall up. That's my experience in life. Man, and it's so true, and they're so good at it. It's funny how, you know, as you get old, I'll even say this. I don't want to sound bad, but going from Yamaha Troy to factory Kawasaki, right, you're like, oh, I'm on a factory team. Like, this is the holy grail. Right. And, like, they are going to know everything, and there's no problems at a factory team. Like, after three months, you're like, wow, like, there's still so much stuff that people don't know, and you think that everybody would know all of that. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting over the years what you see, and then getting involved with developing production bikes and, like, seeing where all the OEMs are and how they do it. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to see how much each one knows because, man, working at KYB, you're like um, – I don't know what the, a floozy, right? One day I'm at Yamaha, the next day you're at Honda, right, right. you just smile and you love everybody, but you, you're trying to sell suspension and make everybody happy. Yeah. And so you really get to see how all the groups test and react and like their development ways. And mm-hmm. it, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I've always wondered how that works. I mean, nowadays at the races, you know, there's, there's Showa and KYB dedicated employees to each team so that because it's still competitive, they don't want the same guy going over and working with two teams unnecessarily, even though everyone during the week, everyone's probably sharing information. Would you say that's correct, Worley? You know? Ah, uh, yeah. Right. No, first, like, if, you, if everybody that works at KYB, we pretty much all talk, know what's going on. Well, um, yeah. It's, you know, because if you work for KYB, you're to benefit KYB. And if it's on a Honda and it's on a Yamaha, you know, you want the Honda and Yamahas to do the best. Mm-hmm. And you just want you just want to beat Showa if you're a KYB guy. And if you're a Showa guy, you want to beat right. the KYB guy. It's yeah. just the way it's it works. the way it works. But at the races, you know, these guys act like they maybe don't know each other or whatever. It's funny. Um, no, I, I think it got, like, Back when I worked there, we would help all these teams, and then it definitely yeah, it's gotten uh, gotten way uh, stricter that way. And I don't think the support level was there as the economy tanked. A lot of things just got bad. Right? Mm-hmm. Like look at factory bikes; they're nowhere near what they used to be. Like the money level is just if we didn't have mm-hmm. energy drinks, I don't know if we'd have supercross. <laughs> I know. Um, my, uh, yeah, my buddy Donk, another Canadian, he's always frustrated with these different teams he works on because there's all these issues with these teams and i've i've told him once i've told him 10 times donk trust me factory honda has problems i have buddies that work there and they laugh about things that they have problems about factory honda has issues no team is perfect i know i was on two of them you know yeah it's it's so it's just people and uh it's it's funny to see it's like there's always issues and and it's almost like the bigger the team you go then not only there's egos, people, but then there's politics, you know? Yeah. So, yep. It's funny how it works. Uh, what's your take cool. on the big air fork, spring fork debate in the pits and in the, in the production bikes and everything else? Um, you know, <laughs> there is some good air forks out there. Like KYB's first, it's kind of, I worked a lot with it. Mm-hmm. You can actually make that thing work really, really well. Well, look at Tomac when he was on the Honda running it, things like that. And mm-hmm. um, the, the, there's great potential with it. Um, Production-wise and what everybody's used to, is the pro- one problem is with a lot of things, it's so cost-driven right now. Right. And, you know, like forks that came out for 2015-16, they're, you know, the new KYB Air Fork, it's what we had in, it's like a 98 fork with air in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's old technology with air. Everything is cost down. Um, and, you know, Showa's new air system, I don't think, was that great. Um, and WP's 4CS, it, 
for off-road, it works all right, but mm-hmm. for motocross, it's just not there. And I think everybody, most of the OEMs just got so focused on making things cost-effective, it really killed the performance. Um, the the forks out there right now, I think we've stepped backwards. Right. A big step. Yep. So... Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, something I hear about every weekend in the pits, Worley, as you know. You know. Yeah, um, I'm sure it's never, it's never. An, oh, you know, I haven't had really anything to do with it. The Star guys have actually been running it for quite a while, mm-hmm. and they seem to be doing fine. And then it's the the next guy is this bike is unrideable, and uh, <laughs> right. It's, I sometimes, you know, I'm just. It, it shouldn't be. Those forks have been around long enough. Um, I'll tell you right now, like when we we help out the fifty one fifty team and yep. the parts, Brett Leaf, Brett Leaf actually does all of the service yep. work and everything. But those old spring forks, it's you know we get, there hasn't been a rider you don't get happy within a few settings because you've worked on them that long. The chassis haven't changed that much. Right, um, it works good. I just one thing though is everybody sits there, you know, in tuning and for riders, it's you know they know how to change springs. They know how to um, revalve, but there's been, you know, on my Honda, I had, you know, the 09 through 12 frame. Mm-hmm. The best thing you could have done to those forks is run Yamaha outer tubes. I ran a Yamaha outer tube with the Kawasaki inner tube, and that bike worked way better. Right. So there's so many things that um, people are used to only having one set of tools. But there's so many other options, and the way that everything flexes and the rigidity of bikes, uh, I don't think any of the factory teams have the support from Japan. Therefore, they don't have as much knowledge on that, mm-hmm. and that's probably something that's leading to some of the struggling also. Yeah, it's funny how it's switched over the years from these with these aluminum chassis, like just uh, make them flex, make them flex, make them flex, and, and, and smaller. the forks are smaller, the shock shafts are smaller than they've ever been, or not ever been, but since we all reached a pinnacle uh, maybe in the early 2000s where everyone was trying to make them as stiff as they can, and now everyone's trying to make them as soft and as flexy as they can. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, well, then, you know, you look at KTM with their, um, you know, they just, stuck with steel and uh, you know bruce used to tell that to cali like just perfect the steel frame mm-hmm. and a lot of the steel frames are lighter than what the aluminum yeah, are. yeah. it's easier to work and uh I, I know i have a ktm like a 500 exc and the way that that frame flexes it works so well that front tire is like glued to the ground everywhere you know for a production bike you can just go and ride right. it's amazing how good it works yeah. but you know we talked about how bad these forks are but right now, when you get on any OEM brand-new bike, they're all really good. I yeah. think the forks took a step backwards, but still, compared to... Everything else is step forward. We go EFI now, and we got, you know, titanium, every this. and yeah. yeah, it's bikes have come so far, and, you know, I've been racing Razors. If, like, I don't break in a race, <laughs> I'm so happy that I finished. Um, and, you know, we're putting tons of new parts on it before every weekend and like when you do a works race that's 45 minutes you mainly drive 70 percent when you need to pass somebody you bump it up to 90 percent mm-hmm. when i do lucas short course racing you're driving a hundred percent most of the time but it's 12 minute race um when you think about our motocross bikes you can just kill them you murder them you're right. just wide open these top pro guys yeah. are just in a whole different level and if they they um, rarely break. They very rarely they rarely break. break. Yeah, rarely break. And I almost bet most of the time they break. It's because of um, more of a mechanical, you know, like because sometimes changing too many things is a problem itself. Like um, Kenny's fork cap leaking. I'm not sure what they have on there, mm-hmm. um, but you know, they. Ha- I'm guessing it was some type of bleed system. I'm not sure. But it was like some little oddball part that failed. Yeah, but, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. Know, it, uh, it wasn't the the, for, the fork itself or anything inside the fork. It was, from what I understand, it was something where he could let the air out, right? You know, I don't know. They yeah. don't tell me. I get limited information on that. That's what I'm guessing. Uh, I they've never 
we we helped them modify those forecasts on one of our machines, mm-hmm. but I don't get to know why. Why? Yeah, yeah. Believe it. <laughs> All I text was is it wasn't because of our machining, was it? And then we're like, no, it was like a right. two dollar sitting that yeah. failed. Uh, yeah, I've heard, I heard the same thing. Do you think we're going to see air shocks? Uh, obviously, WP has one, but do you think we see the other two guys f- follow with the air shocks? Or you know, I know Showa has one. Um, I you know, as far as production goes, I don't think it's going to mm-hmm. happen. Money money's too much of an issue, and it with the heat that gets built up in a rear shock um, to keep it consistent, it's it, it's just difficult. Right. Um, I really don't. I, I don't see it ever becoming. Um, I, I can't ever see it going in production. I'd be really surprised. Right. Right. Well, Dan Worley, thank you. Appreciate the time. SuspensionDirect.com, uh, former factory Cali mechanic, Yamaha Troy mechanic, championship winning mechanic, Canadian, friend of mine. Thanks for doing this. Told you it wouldn't be that bad. <laughs> no, I'm glad we finally did it. Yeah, it absolutely. Uh, so people check them out if they want. And for all your suspension parts needs, uh, SuspensionDirect.com. Thanks, Worley. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. All right. Have see you. Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis Show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny Omara. Stuff that you could you sit there, you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that air I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years go.